Yo, 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 energy fam, what is going down? Welcome back to the next episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour, here with your host, Chris Story. So for all the returning guests, tuning back in for the 51st time, or if you're brand new to the show, there's a few things that I have to touch base on before we can kick shit off and get this episode up and running. First things first, I want to give my love, my thanks, and my gratitude to each and every one of you for tuning in episode after episode, week after week, allowing me to speak some truth, open up that third eye of yours, and allow you to save yourself and save the world. Guys, honestly, it really does mean the world to me for you tuning in, giving me a few hours of your day. I cannot repay you or thank you enough for allowing me to live my dream. Honestly, this is my dream to be able to speak my truth, wake up the world and usher in a new epoch of the golden age. Bring us back to our God source. Save yourself, save the world. That's the message. And the fact that you guys are resonating with that, Words can't words can't describe it. It's a hard it's a hard one getting words to describe emotions. So all I can do in return, guys, is give you an exclusive ten percent discount code to primalalchemy.co.uk. That's the code Red Pill. That's the code Red Pill. That when used at checkout, you'll get ten percent off anything within your shopping basket at the time of purchase. You're brand new to the Primal Alchemy brand, brand new to myself, brand new to this podcast, then Primal Alchemy is a UK superhuman optimization brand that unifies ancient ancestral wisdom with tomorrow's leading edge scientific innovations in order to produce a line of premium, organic, nutritional health supplements, functional fitness equipment, and biohacking tools that allow you to upgrade and fully maximize your physical, mental, and spiritual capabilities. Quite the mouthful, quite the mouthful indeed, guys. So please check out primalalchemy.co.uk and see what we can do for you to upgrade your avatar body, dial in that consciousness, full spectrum, full power, save yourself, save the world. All right, guys, moving on to today's episode. It is with Mr. Niraj Naik, a.k.a. The Renegade Pharmacist. Really did enjoy this one. A lot of interesting subjects covered. A lot of familiarities and similarities between myself and Niraj with the message that we're conveying and putting across the work that we're doing. And it was great to connect to another like-minded soul Spreading love, spreading love, guys. That's what it's all about. Love is truth, and truth will set you free. So please leave me or Niraj some feedback once you've listened to this. Let us know what you think. Leave me a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is that you're listening to, um, listening this podcast on. Or reach out to me at Primal Alchemy UK on Instagram and just give me a little bit of feedback. It would do me beyond words the world world of good. Alright guys, no more rambling. 
managed to get this intro dialed in for about four minutes. That's a PB. I'm not fucking around today. This one's going to be lit. Alright guys, enjoy. As always, Morpheus, tell these fools what's up. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above, so below. What lies without resides within. Time for growth to begin. Mental, physical, and spiritual. We find balance with all three as we focus on totality. The whole, not the half. This is for those on a spiritual path. Looking for the clues to the answers of life But the truth ain't always nice So leave your ego at the door Let your inner lion roar And your spirit soar As we go deep down to the molecular level Tap into the body with some yogic breath Throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test Like the shamans of old We use the nature to heal With a little bit of DMT to reveal This whole life journey is a little surreal And your mind needs a leader Not a follower in life Let your mind be the master And you pay a hefty price This next 60 minutes is about self Mastery, it's not an easy path, and it's a lifelong journey. But we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour. With this red pill initiation hour, brought to you by Prima Okami. The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. And a free two, one, and Oh shit, guys, we're live, we're back. Praise Hermes, episode 51 of the Red Pill Initiation Hour. And we've got another stellar guest on. We are not fucking around with this one. We are going to go deep down into the esoteric rabbit hole. And we're going to explore a few layers of consciousness on the way on our travels down there. So today's guest is someone who I've looked into their work for a while now. Fellow Brit, fellow... uh, consciousness explorer and truth seeker extraordinaire and uh yeah just all around a great guy with many truths to share and i think you guys are really going to warm to him if you haven't heard of him before so today's guest is mr naraj naik he is the creator of soma breath as well as some other uh very progressive and cool um adventures and pursuits which he's trying to create around the world so yeah Naraj mate thanks for coming on brother it really does mean a lot for you to give me some of your time so for everyone who is not familiar with who you are and what you're about you have got quite the background and quite the experience to validate all of the shit that you say so yeah let's uh, let's just jump on with it buddy all right all right man thanks a lot I just lost the sound for a little bit but it's back now, so we're okay. Um, yeah, so my name's uh, Neeraj, uh, so thanks for the introduction, but uh, I'm also known as the Renegade Pharmacist. So that's really um, uh, you know, where my backstory comes from, is I was actually a pharmacist. <clears throat> I worked in the, um, the community pharmacies, uh, even worked in Bristol, where you're at, Really? Um, Whereabouts? Uh, actually had the biggest concentration of heroin addicts of anywhere that I've, I've been. The amount of method that we used to go. <laughs> Where? In Bristol? Yeah, little, like literally queues of people. No Cure. way. Yeah, it was a crazy time. Whereabouts were you based? 
I was near Gloucester Road. Ah, well, Sto- yeah, not around like Stokes Croft Way. But actually, before that, even before I was a community pharmacist, I was at Cardiff Uni. Mm. And I started a drum and bass rave, which went on for three years. It was one of the biggest raves uh, um, in Reading, the Matrix. But I used to play uh, St. Paul's, uh, you know, the um, church. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to play at the St. Paul's Festival. I did, I did quite a oh, lot. Oh, mate. It's a DJ festival and you didn't get stabbed. You made it out alive. No, no, I was friends friends with all of the the yardies, right? (laughs) Yeah, man, that's sound. Yeah, that was my my ute, you know. So I was actually a a drum and bass promoter and, um, you know, DJ as well. And I went from being an, well, I went from that to becoming an illegal drug dealer as a pharmacist. So it was pretty, it was a pretty uh, crazy switch. Like I literally, I, I did the degree at university, but my main passion was, was music. And I, you know, you know, that whole scene can attract a bit of a dodgy crowd. Well, mm-hmm. things didn't work out according to plan. And I ended up losing my business as a, I had a really successful event, but there was a, you know, garage music attracts a bad crowd. There was a garage night at the same venue, which had like a whole bunch of like people like so solid crew playing at it. And it got rioted by all those like gangs and it was mayhem. Somebody got shot, ended up closing the club down. So I lost my event because they clubbed it. They sh- I didn't have a venue anymore. So, and I was in the middle of my finals. So I had to make a choice. Do I finish my degree or do I try and salvage this event? And I ended up like finishing the degree. Um, you know, it was a lot of family pressure as well, you know. So I ended up doing that. Uh, and then ended up actually having a job as a pharmacist. Once they get you in, man, once they get you in the system, it's really hard to get out of it. Yeah. So I was literally in this pharmacy looking around going, fuck, man, is this really what healthcare is about? I, I was just like a robot dishing out pills all day long. People just going away with factory, like literally like in a factory, like bags full of pills. And it was depressing as hell, super soul destroying. And this is where I discovered like how corrupt the the healthcare industry is in the UK, how dumbed down it is and how it's so in the control of big pharma. And, you know, they they own the educational system. They, they, They train the doctors, you know, they fund the research. They have a whole complete like 360 degree uh, ownership of the healthcare industry. So it's very hard to shift anything. I had a go at it. I ended up like creating um, this uh, concept, which got me promoted to the head office of, of one of the biggest supermarkets in the UK. And I came up with this idea of giving out healthy shopping lists to patients um, as a way to deliver alternative health information that would help them get off the drugs. I had, I had really good success in the pharmacy, getting people off pills by just telling them how to eat right, you know, what, like, how to make recipes at home. Because the majority of people were literally living on factory-based diets. Like most of the food from the breakfast to, to the night to dinner was just full of processed foods. So just by swapping drinks and meals for real food. I had amazing success getting people off the drugs. 
I mean, back then it was very, very uh, renegade what I was doing. Nowadays we're way more aware of it. And I actually worked in the head office of this big corporation and I was working on this. I was another time where I really freaked out thinking, is this how people live, like in cubicles, you know, clocking in every day? Like it was just, I mean, that alone was just depressing. And I, a lot of things, I had a lot of inner conflicts. Like, was it, do I really want to be in this environment? Surrounded by all this negativity, stress, cutthroat kind of managers, you know, like David Brent style managers, you know, the office, it was so much like that. So I was like, nah, I, this is not for me. And anyway, in the end, I got, well, the, the project didn't go ahead because they watered it down too much. They, they were very uh, funny about things I would say, you know, they didn't want me to get people to stop eating processed foods and stuff. So in the end, like the idea was going to get shelved. I was facing either to get a job in that, that head office or go back to being a pharmacist. I didn't want to do any of those things. And I ended up getting sick actually with a chronic illness called ulcerative colitis. I got very depressed and I ended up housebound for a year. I was shitting blood like 40 times a day. And this is the time where I had to, like, instead of helping others, I had to help myself. You know, I had to go inwards. And they say God stands for gift of desperation. And literally at that time, I was super desperate because I had two choices. The consultant said, you either take your colon out I need to be shitting in a colostomy bag for the rest of life. Or you go on a, a new drug that hasn't been tested before, you know, as a guinea pig. So I was like, fuck that. So anyway, someone came to my rescue. She told me exactly what I needed to do. She gave me the basic foundations of Ayurveda, Pranayama, yoga. And she said, like, if you can heal yourself, you'll be an amazing role model to other people. And literally, that's exactly what happened. And um, that was the greatest gift I've ever had. You know, it was a blessing in disguise that I got sick. I learned so much about my body, how the body works. I learned how much the emotional component affects the body and stress. And through that, I created my own system, which is called Soma, which I've helped so many people with around the world overcome like chronic health issues and find a new direction in their life, a new purpose. And yeah, that's pretty much been the mission so far, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a common theme amongst people that are uh, really sort of making some moves within the next sort of generation of healthcare professionals are people that have suffered from some, some, some real health destroying issue where they've had to, and they've almost, well, as you, as everyone is really portrayed by the Western medical system. And then they have to look elsewhere. And normally it is, it's you, you gain that connection with self. And from there, you, the answers you need are there waiting for you. And you just need to, you need to initiate the, um, you need to initiate protocols in order to unlock those answers within yourself. And yeah, it, it opens you up to a whole new world of possibilities and potential. And this is, why I really wanted to talk to you because like you said, when you created Soma, there's so many things within that, that uh, really create, well, that Soma methodology. And yes. uh, I, was, I was looking that we could maybe jump into that. I know, I know that one of the main ones is the breath. That's what a lot of people like the breath works. What a lot of people know, but one of the things that I've been doing recently, which I know is also another part of it, which is something that I think not enough people talk about, but it can be so healing 
so healing and it was one of the things that even maybe a year or a year or two ago you could have asked me and i would have been like fuck do i want to do that for but when you actually do it you're like shit there's merit to this there's something to this and that's a ecstatic dance Ah, yeah, man! Nice. You want to fool that? You want to fool that? I was gonna bring oh, that one up. Mate, yeah. I was, I was at one. I was at an event. Uh, the what day is it now? Tuesday. So I was at an event on Sunday. There's one in London coming up in two weeks' time, and I'm basically just got got it all booked in on the calendar for every one that I can go to. I'm gonna be there, and it's, God, it's so healing. It's, mm. yeah, I, I, I love it. And I mean, the UK, as you know, is just fucking in the stone age when it comes to most things spiritual most things mm -hmm. health fitness anything within the self-help world it's it's about 10 years behind the rest of the world so i know over in la you're at like the epicenter for yeah. this kind of movement which is great oh, yeah. so i could only imagine what it's like over there when mm -hmm. with the experience that i had here i can imagine that it's like it's literally like here but on steroids oh yeah i mean i actually live in Pangan in thailand that's even that's like even yeah. more that's where it's at like one of my big targets was to be able to live in the two best islands in the world which is Copangan and ibiza and like that manifested so like so actually funny enough like on the subject of excited dance uh one of the top re main resident djs uh like pasha and shwire she contacted me and she said that she wants to get into excited dance she's been uh, getting into it as a just as a somebody going as a participant and now she's like it's just she's hooked she thinks there's a big wellness movement from a lot of the DJs you know that Avicii died too much of a hedonist lifestyle and you know so there's a, there is a shift right now there are even like retreats just for DJs who tour a lot and people in the music industry like a rehab for, for DJs which is actually something I'm, I'm putting together myself with this lady. And um, actually then I got contacted again yesterday by um, a lady who's behind some of the top techno uh, labels like Minus and uh, Richie Horton and all this stuff. And she wants to collaborate and thinks that, because Soma's driven by music, right? One of our USPs is the fact that the music is, drives it, guides it. And the rhythm of life is, is what I'm all about tapping into that. So, so like, there she's talking about bringing in amazing DJs, A-list DJs to like produce some of the soundtracks. So we have like the most pumping, like awesome music that drives all the things we're doing. And um, so it's really cool. Like we are on this trend right now where there's a shift happening. And I was on the, I was at the beginning of the trend with drum and bass. Like I was in '97. I was one of the few promoters doing like decent big scale events. And then it turned into a 2000 people rave for three years. And like a lot of those DJs in the beginning, they started off like, you know, high contrast and people like that. They were like mates, you know, even Andy C and Fresh, you know, they pay, I would pay them a fraction of what they're, they're, they're charged now. And, um, and it was like, I felt a trend back then, the drum and bass, there was something about drum and bass that was different to a lot of the other genres. It was more tribal. It was like very earthy. And it, there was just this feeling of togetherness at drum and bass rave that you didn't always get 
at other raves. There was something, there was some magic about drum bass in the early days. <clears throat> it went all a bit dark and moody later on, but in the early days, there was something about it. I think it's just so tribal. And I, I felt that when I first discovered ecstatic dance, is that this is what it's about. It's the journey. It's the, it's the ability to get high without taking anything and then feeling the love and connection and being there just for the music. That is the magic of excited dance is that it's you, you connect to the music without being numbed down by alcohol, drugs. I mean, I don't, I'm not a anti any kind of, uh, like, you know, recreational drug, like as long as it's taken with responsibility, but when you mix in a plethora of different drugs into the mix, alcohol, alcohol is the one that kills everything. But when you mix in ketamine, pills, speed, all this shit, all into one cocktail, which is so common for people to do, you have all these zombies going around that are just wasted, right? So, um, you know, so that has lost, for me, going to a club like that, I just don't feel the love anymore. I don't feel the, the meaning, the mess, the vibe. It's, it's not how it used to be. Like when we were, and I hate to sound old, but when we used to go out raving, man, it was love, man. It was so much connection and love. Okay, granted, we had the best pills back then, right? <laughs> but nobody drank. So the bars were dry, and actually the, the owners didn't like it so much at the venues because people were just drinking water. There wasn't, no, hardly anyone drank alcohol with, and now it's very common for it all to be mixed together. Now, the thing with excited dance is you don't even need to take any substance. And in fact, the substance of the band, the idea is you're just there for the music, you're present, you're with it, and you get high off the journey. Now, I've done something else. I've added something else to it because I'm so much into breath work, pranayama, is the combination of breathing techniques with dance. So that really takes you to another level of ecstasy, like ecstatic. And so at Envision Fest, just um, the last Envision Fest, uh, last month, I debuted at a festival, this um, breathe and dance concept, um, where you basically do these guided, it's like a guided journey. You start with music, starts slow, shamanic, builds up, takes you on this peak rise, and then, then it comes down into a really beautiful kind of guided meditation at the end. Everyone's like lying down. And, just blissed out and channeling the spirit. But the whole thing is driven by breath and using rhythmic breathing. So I, I feel like there's the, see, there's the other thing with ecstatic dances, there's a lot of them out there, different ways of doing it. And quite, quite a lot of them are actually super hippie. Like it would scare most people like in the mainstream to go somewhere like this. Have you heard of Russell Howard? Yeah. Yeah, so he came to my festival in Copenhagen with his mum and did a show about it. Uh, it was Russell Howard and his mum, and you can see it, and he comes and does the Soma breath work, and then he um, does excited dance later. And he, like, the excited dance that happens there, like the DJ that's playing is, he's quite hippified. So the music, like he couldn't get into, Russell Howard couldn't get into it, but his mum loved it. Um, whereas like he, Russell Howard really loved the breath work. He was fully into that whereas his mum didn't get into that. So not everyone's going to get into it. And what I'm trying to do, though, is to make it 
more accessible like where the music isn't is isn't so out there woo woo stuff and the way it's guided isn't so out there woo woo but it still maintains the elements of what an ecstatic dance journey is which is getting into peak experience mm-hmm. yeah. without taking anything as a almost like a guided meditation from start to finish and it's a whole thing to join and what i loved about that is that i could put in all these different genres so i start with slow music you know like 60 bpm going up to like 100 and then go into real tribal and then go into house like building up to house then i might throw in a drum and bass track um you know like i did a drum and bass remix with wim hoff the superhuman Iceman, who a lot of you may have heard of uh of a song that i wrote with him called crazy like a monkey which is like the wim hoff theme tune i did a jungle remix of it i sometimes drop that and then it go breaks down into more like some more shamanic slow stuff and then right at the end it's like really blissed out brainwave and training so the whole thing is a guided journey it's amazing and um and this i believe is the future of clubbing conscious clubbing is what i want to go down you know mm. and um and i and just to show people that actually you don't need to drink alcohol to have a good time you can let go and have fun and and actually you know what the great thing with these parties is that 70 percent of the people who go to are women and they're usually beautiful goddesses who do yoga so you know it's like a win-win and if you go to like some of these clubs it's just like you know it comes to the certain point in the night and it's like a sausage factory yeah, it's, it's like fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's the last place you want to be it's full of guys oh like completely like zombied you know going after the one little poor girl that's left in the room and uh, that that's just that's not what it's about and it, you know so i'm i'm bringing back the spirit i'm bringing the vibe there but still with like a cool factor like and you know decent music quality music music that's well produced and it's working out really good man. so i give it i urge anyone who's into this listening to this to have at least give it a go but don't be put off by the first time you ever go to a Saturday dance because it might be shit but there are good ones there's like also like things like morning gloryville in london i don't know if that's still going yeah it's still going like that, which are like daytime parties so in in Copangan, we have a one that starts at 11 o'clock it's a two hour like in a giant meditation pyramid and it's like 150 people just off going like you'd think they're on serious narcotics but they're not it's just fully just from the music and the vibe and the and the vibe of the people it's incredible and like so if you want to go and really go to ecstatic dance like really feel it go to Copangan. that's where it's really at that's where it's the real magic you know and it's like every day of the week there's one going on Amsterdam's another place. They have a lot of, hmm. uh, of uh, excited dance in Amsterdam. Some really, really? cool. Music. Yeah, yeah. Amsterdam's got like twenty a week. Fucking hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it really takes us back to our roots. It's 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 when you're do when you're in amongst it, mm-hmm. it literally feels like you're having like a flashback of like a previous like life in ancestral times where you would have been around the fu- the campfire and everyone yeah. would have just been. Yeah, just going for it. And one of the words that you used or the terms you used even was uh, brainwave entrainment. And that's exactly yeah. what it's like. Like I've got a, uh, I've got a brainwave entrainment device, like an audio visual entrainment device. And you can obviously use that to sort of tune your brain into certain wavelengths. 
And the effect you get off that is almost mirrored through the effect you get when you're doing these, uh, when you do an ecstatic dance event. And like you said, there, there are some that's a little bit shit, but there's, and if it's your first time doing it, most likely you're going to feel uncomfortable as fuck because you're going to be completely sober. You're going to feel vulnerable. You're going to feel like you just, it's the music might not be exactly where you want it to be. And then you look yeah. over and there's people rolling on the floor and yeah. doing all types of crazy shit. And yeah. once, once you let go or sort of begin to melt down those sort of socially constructed barriers that's in your yeah. mind and spirit, you begin to really appreciate the ecstatic dance like there's so many layers to it and oh yeah, yeah it's you can it's like you so yeah so many layers to it it can be a meditation it can be it can be therapy it's it's a way of getting energy flowing through your body it's connecting totally. with other people it's that entrainment with the energy of the room and if you're sensitive to energy then being in an environment like that can can give you a a high like that can rival any other drug and i think yeah. people are really going to begin to crack onto it because i think it happened everything happens when it needs to happen and the way that the way that we have been led through the the way that society has been led has led to the rise of this style of dance people are yeah. uh, people are fed up but like you said of going to clubs man and just dealing with pricks and just drunk assholes all the girls are just completely fucked up and just dancing like sluts and then you go to one of these uh you go to one of these ecstatic dances and like you said they're fucking goddesses man they're like goddesses that move like real rhythmic to the music and it's you're just like damn you're like shit the divine feminine is just there to be witnessed and worshipped and shit and then it brings out the divine masculine in you and it's just it's also interesting looking at um just also like kind of like separating yourself as well while you're there to watch people because it, it the ecstatic dance allows you to uh allows you to look into people and see what where their personality is where their energy is yeah. at like you can see some people that are quite stiff quite a bit offbeat and you can see that they've got stagnant energy they've got something that's holding them back and then you've got some yeah. people that are just completely in the moment completely fluid within their within their motions with like yeah how they articulate their limbs to the music it's yeah it's beautiful man it's i i couldn't recommend it enough and i think it definitely is it's gonna be the next big thing and um rightly so because it's uh it's one of those things that i'm tying in very nicely into my whole primal alchemy brand it's going to be something that i'm going to be pushing through that because i believe that it is yeah not just yeah, not just DJ. therapeutic. What's that? You a DJ? No, but I have contacts within Bristol here who are um, who are setting up. Well, they're part of Ecstatic Dance International, and they're doing like these DJ trainings out in Portugal. And um, yeah, I've just I've so I've got contacts here and friends that they're that are DJs. And they really vibe with it as well. So I'm going to try and get in and do some nice. stuff with them and really push it on the local scene. Bristol must be perfect spot to do this. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. And that's, you would think so. And it, it we literally, we've, uh, we've had two events so far in Bristol. So it's, uh, and we've had a good turnout, really good crowd, really good community that I can see can nice. be formed from that. Everyone's just loving. Well, mate, I'll come and smash it out there. Let's do it. 
do it, dude. That would be fucking insane. Yes, do it, man. I'll do it. Let's do it. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Yes. I'd love to come back and blow up Bristol, man. Yeah, Bristol's in need for it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) There is. There's there's enough of a yoga community there, spiritual community. You just need to get the right promoters behind it. For sure, that's the prime. Yeah. I thought it would already be quite popular there. No, mate, we've literally, it's only just started. Two events deep so far. And uh, like you said, there's Morning Gloryville over in London. There's also Rise and Shine, which is created by the same creators as Morning Glory. But yeah. it's more of a night thing. But uh, from what, but then even that, it's this ecstatic dance is, that's that's where it's at. And I, yeah, and as well, it's like even even if you're not into all of that, into the sort of like the spiritual aspect, it's a fucking killer. Like when you're just lost in the moment for like two hours and you like, you break a sweat. It's like mm. a legit cardiovascular workout. And it's almost it? like, it's, if anything, it's almost like a hit workout. It because is. You, you've got the intense songs where you've got, like you said, the RPM is just, well, not that fast, but you know what I mean. Just like, it gets you going. And then you've got the other songs which are much more relaxing. So it is like interval training. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, this, is a, this thing that I've created with the breathwork and beats, like breathing beats, is just full power, man. Like, that, mm-hmm. that is a workout, which I highly recommend. And I also throw in some moves, like when you dance in a certain way, right, we have these special moves called neurobics, you actually activate both sides of the brain. Mm, so it actually breaks like up third eye potential. And... Yeah, 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 you got it. Yeah, yeah, man. So I combine that with breathing and like proper fat beats. So what do you call it, neurobics? Neurobics is like a way of waking up both sides of the brain. Now I use some of the those exercises, but I combine it. Mm. Like, imagine a sequence of neurobics, breathwork, dance, a freestyle dance, and done over a guided journey. That's basically what we've done with breathing dance, breathing beats. Yeah, that's sound, man. And there's another, like, the thing that I was always exploring as well when I'm doing this, uh, when I'm in the ecstatic dance, and I'm trying to keep it as um, sort of in the moment as possible, just letting the energy, letting the music sort of dictate my movement. But at the same time, my own sort of theory on this and I might be completely off, but I think I am onto something, which is the reason. And I kind of link it back to some of the, I can't remember the specific names of this, but like different sort of ancient dances from our ancient past. I believe that what they were doing were creating geometrical forms with their body, which obviously when you look into cymatics, you've got these geometrical shapes are rep- yeah. are literally in their essence a certain frequency so if we create certain geometrical forms with our body we are embodying a frequency and we can then change the frequency that our body is operating or our mind is operating on so that's some of the stuff that i'm trying to incorporate as well with in this sort of uh with doing this dance is obviously you've got the entrainment of the of the beat itself but then also with the shapes that you kind of put your body into i think that may have an effect on us as well i may just be chatting shit but i'm pretty sure that is something that must be going on because i know there is like an ancient um vedic dance that's still around today that the females are doing all types of like hand movements and everything like that and if you kind of break it down like frame by frame 
they're literally creating sacred geometrical shapes with their limbs. And I'm pretty sure that must be having an effect on their consciousness. Uh, well, they're called mudras. So yes, every mm-hmm. movement has a, a meaning behind it. And it uh-huh. activates, again, it's all about activating both hemispheres of the brain and creating a whole brain awakening, like a full mm. brain uh, awakening, yeah. Yeah, man. So with the, uh, so you also mentioned the, the breath work as well, which is like a mixture of pranayama and some of your other, and some of the other things that you've kind of thrown in, sort of integrated into that to create a, something that, yeah, you believe is going to be, uh, the most bang for your buck. So could you go into a little bit more detail on your whole Soma breathwork uh, protocols? Of course. All right. So let's start with, um, the backstory. So basically, uh, there's an ancient manuscript, one of the most, probably the most ancient manuscript of all, which is called the Rig Veda. And this is the, the kind of foundation of the Hindu religion. So it's a very old religious manuscript. Nobody really knows its true origin, but it's over 5,000 years old. Anyway, so in there, there are 50,000 references to a, a ritual called Soma. And this ritual, occurred during the time of the golden era of the planet like the golden age so this is like the garden of eden so imagine there was very few people on the planet people lived for very long periods of time and everyone lived in harmony with nature so what do they do they reveled in psychedelics all right and soma was like the name for psychedelics like shamanic rituals so they would do this so much soma rituals to reach these ecstatic states where they would have direct communication with gods, the spirits, the heavens. And what happened was, and they downloaded all the knowledge that created the religions and civilizations that have now gone on to become these organized religions around the world. However, at one point, according to the legend, as people start migrating around the planet to explore the planet, the Soma runs out. And they're all freaked out because they're all addicted to Soma. So this is when God Indra tells everyone we must go inwards to discover how to create the Soma within. The Soma within is like the bliss molecules, tryptamines, melatonin, serotonin, tryptamine, all of the feel-good hormones. By doing this, by going inwards, they discover that we actually have an inner pharmacy. Now, every substance that exists in nature, we already have within every single cell in our body so we can tap into this um this inner pharmacy by certain exercises primarily using your breath so your breath is the one thing that runs on autopilot but we also have conscious control over which means when we mean autopilot all of the functions in our body um that we take for granted like your heart rate your immune system digestive system temperature control, all of those things are basically uh, under the control of your subconscious mind. And we've been told that we have no influence over this. Like there's uh, there's no voluntary control of involuntary functions. And that's what the whole scientific medical institution is based on, this belief. Because with that, that, mean, that means that the only way you can control it is through drugs, surgery, or in um, machines. So this is how you create a massive, you know, trillion dollar industry called the pharmaceutical industry, medical industry. 
Now, we've actually known for thousands of years that we can tap into this autonomic nervous system. We can elevate our heart rate, lower our heart rate. We can switch on the immune system. We can modulate our temperature. We already know all this, but we've not been told that this is possible. And all the yogis have been like kind of outlawed and, and considered mad and doing woo-woo mysticism and magic. And actually there was at one point an inquisition, the Spanish inquisition killed anyone who was doing anything remotely on this realm. Okay. Now what that did was it created a whole population around the world of subservient people to an industry where we've given up our power to other people who supposedly have the power, the alchemists, right? So the great alchemists have gone into black magic. Some of them are in, in the white magic, but a lot went into black magic because it makes a lot of fucking money. All right. And if you imagine like actually pharmacy comes from alchemy. original alchemists were very, very smart people who had a lot of knowledge about the body, the, the universe, and all, all of this came from very ancient religion and manuscripts that have actually been burned. A lot of them have been burned and destroyed. But over time, some people come, they become very adept yogis, and they showed the world that actually we have conscious control over these involuntary functions. One of those is a guy called Swami Rama. In the 70s, he went over to um, America, went under scientific investigation, and he was shown that he could modulate his heart rate, his immune system, and he even stopped his heart for like 12 seconds and did some crazy stuff. And he demonstrated some impossible feats which baffled the science community, but then we forgot about it, right? It didn't make much mainstream news because obviously you don't want the world to know that we, we all have our own superpowers. Then um, in more recent times, well, I'm one of the proofs. I cured myself of a chronic illness. Um, I'm actually doing studies right now to show that I can modulate my immune system. Um, so that's all going on right now. And to show that I can modulate my heart rate, um, you know, I can influence hormones and, and I can suppress inflammation. That's all happening right now. But somebody who's become quite famous right now, Wim Hof, who's a good friend of mine. Um, I produced all the soundtrack to Wim Hof Method and his online courses. He actually um, did some cool studies where he was injected with an endotoxin and was able to modulate his heart rate and, um, sorry, his uh, immune system and he can also modulate his body temperature by going into ice for like two hours, like crazy shit like that. Um, so he's another guy who's, you know, like broken the mold and shown people that we have these powers. So basically all of this knowledge is already in there. It comes from the Soma tradition. And when people started to discover that in the pharmacy and all these things that we tap into thousands of years ago, it became the foundations of Tantra. And Tantra came yoga, came meditation, came pranayama, Ayurveda, all of these branches of knowledge and wisdom that is this, um, this, this is like this like encyclopedia of, of how to be self-sufficient and how to survive off our own natural means without giving up our power. And that's basically what yoga is all about, is to become self-sufficient so you can be in control of your life and not have to give up all your power to other people. 
right? It's the true renegade kind of, like they were the renegades, the yogis were the renegades. So anyway, um, so I basically, what I've done is I've gone in and I've looked at all of these practices and thought, how do I make this more accessible? What do I need to do? So I've, I basically created a system called SOMA. And SOMA has a few different techniques that have a lot of scientific validation behind them to support them with um, a core foundation technique called awakening, which basically works on optimizing your physiology, works on your mitochondria, um, which is your energy center of the cells and modulates your breathing so that you have the ability to become very efficient at creating energy, at um, you know, suppressing the symptoms of disease and modulating your immune system so you become stronger. And it's an amazing system. I'm having so many good results with it. So I can go a little bit deeper into how it all works if you want. Yeah, go ahead, man. I'm I'm into the I'm into the deep shit. We uh. We go. We there is no uh, there is no depths of this rabbit hole that we're not willing to explore on here. We we go to some pretty uncharted territory on this podcast. So go ahead, man. I'm I'm all ears. Okay. So so basically, some basic biology. When we breathe, we breathe in. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out carbon dioxide. Okay. So when you breathe in the oxygen, the oxygen goes. It binds to red blood cells. Okay, now what that, that oxygen needs to do is to move from the red blood cells and go into the tissue cells, all right, where it's used to produce energy. When it goes into the tissue cells, it combines with mitochondria, and it goes into the mitochondria, combines with glucose to, burn, to create like a fire, which produces energy called ATP energy, all right? Now, too much oxygen, okay, which can be caused by stress and over breathing, okay can actually make the fire burn too bright. Just like California wildfires, the fires burn too bright, go out of control, causes oxidative damage, oxidative stress on the body. Can lead to free radical damage, it can actually lead to cancer, it can lead to early cell death and aging. So what you, if, you have not, if you don't have enough oxygen, the fire doesn't burn at all. So you need the right balance of oxygen. That is the principle of pranayama. Pranayama means energy control, it's the system of breath work from India. And with pranayama, we can actually tap into our physiology and modulate the energy in the body. And if you imagine everything is energy. So according to Einstein student, not Einstein, but Einstein student, um, uh, he basically said that E equals N, right? That everything is energy. So energy equals matter, right? And it's, this has been the Advaita philosophy um, from the Vedic times, which is this understanding. If you, if you go into the Upanishads, which is one of the, the most important like, religious texts from the Vedas, um, it's like almost like a whole story about the quantum physics. Okay? And our understanding of quantum science uh, comes from actually if you look at it a lot of it comes from the these early scientists like around that time of einstein who were actually reading the upanishads they were fascinated with um the upanishads all right because it had so much awareness of the nature of reality right from a quantum level so basically 
if you imagine everything is energy, so if we have the ability to modulate energy, okay, at a, a mitochondrial level, at cell level, it means we have the ability to almost control reality itself, okay? This is the theory of pranayama. The three pranayama techniques, we can actually create magic. We can create magic where we are actually increasing our health, our vitality, our, our own internal energy levels. But what we can also do is use this to actually improve the quality of our thinking, our thoughts, so that it then has the effect of, you know, creating the reality that we want to attract. So this is where we enter the realms of, of magic. Okay, there was a guy called Alistair Crowley. He was probably like one of the most famous kind of black magicians, alchemists. He was he was a funny character because he dabbled he dabbled in everything. All right. Yeah. He was quite so the character. He was doing white magic, he was doing black magic, he was doing a bit of everything. But what he did do was um, he stated in one of his books that pranayama is everything. If you understand pranayama, that's magic. That's the real magic. So he was, a, he was into tantra and he was really into pranayama. And so it makes sense because we're working with oxygen on the level of producing energy in the body, the internal energy. And what's on the inside becomes a reflection uh, on the outside. So our inner world becomes the outer world. So here's the thing. So by using cell pranayama techniques, we can make ourselves super efficient at using oxygen. So you need to breathe less. And one of the goals of pranayama is to breathe less. That's one of the foundational goals of pranayama. Okay. Not breathe more. Here's a difference between me and actual like real like Himalayan yogis who really practice this original tra uh, like tantric form of yoga is the goal is to breathe less, not more. Okay. And you know, there's a lot of this misconception in, in the mainstream where actually we encourage to breathe more, deep, breathe deeper, da, da, da. you know, because like supposedly oxygen can cure everything. If that was the case, doctors who, who have pure oxygen cylinders, would be healing people left, right, and center all the time, but they're not because it doesn't cure. Actually, too much oxygen causes oxidative stress, causes damage. Harvard had done a lot of studies on this, showing that we have a, a, an internal rusting effect that happens from excess oxygen being uh, absorbed in the body. And that means just like real metal that you see on the outside, on, metal, on cars, rusting and corroding, the same thing happens in our arteries, which leads to uh, coronary heart, uh, heart disease and you know blood clots and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole other topic. So efficiency of oxygen is the goal. That's what somas focus primarily on. So every technique in soma works on making you super efficient using oxygen. So you need to breathe less during the day. What it will do, what the way you can measure that as well is how long you can hold your breath, okay, or how long you can make a single tone like oh all right so you can practice i can i'm not going to do it now but i can do some pretty long tones i can re almost reach a minute if i really practice of just holding a single note that's a sign of your vital capacity which is actually a, a real accurate measure of your health there's so many people doing biofeedback and stuff like that right using machines Expensive gadgets, biohacking, all that stuff.
which is a little bit of like nonsense to, to a certain degree. We don't need all that shit. Just you have the best biofeedback tool of all, which is your breath. So how long you can hold your breath, how long you can make a single tone note is one of the best me measures of your health. So if you can't hold your breath for more than 15 seconds, that's a sign there's some serious problem going on internally. You need to check in with your fitness, okay? And actually a sign of disease. So if you're holding your breath for 30 seconds or more, okay, then it's a sign of you're pretty healthy. I don't know if athletes will be going 45 to 60 seconds, you know, and you can even do a minute 30 with a bit of training. I could get you up to a minute 30, two minutes pretty soon. So, yeah, and we can train. The body is amazing. It's adaptive. It adapts very fast. So just on the subject of oxygen efficiency, so the Russians who've done the most research on this, um, because they're, they're very competitive when it comes to sports, right? And the other thing with Russia is that they didn't have a capitalistic healthcare system. So because it's communist, the, the, the Russians were focused on actually curing people rather than... making people's capitalist system. So the Russians did a lot of research on actual cures and treatments. And they came back again to this practice of, of um, it's called intermittent hypoxic training. So when you lower the oxygen for a short period in your, blood, in your bloodstream, what happens is you trigger a, a, a whole positive stress response in your body that makes your body adapt to having less than normal oxygen. What they observed was like people like the Nepalese Gurkha army. Why are they the strongest army in the world? Why do the British and the Americans bring them in to win their battles? Okay, they're like the secret weapon for the, the British army, right? And the reason is, is because uh, they train at high altitudes. They train in climates where the oxygen is super low, right? So they are adapting to less oxygen and then becoming efficient and using less oxygen and they they age slower as well they live longer yeah i've Why seen they... them uh sorry man yeah. I've, I've seen them I, I was out in nepal and i went uh yeah. i've been i've been to their army barracks and mm. had a little tour around and they are next level athletes it, all yeah. of those guys the sherpas uh obviously yeah. we're talking about the gurkhas then but yeah all of those guys they're all yeah. on some next level yeah they're full power so so if we observe what they do we can actually learn a lot from them live at high altitude and um breathe less these are super important things and it also means like it's why the yogis go and live in the himalayas why do they climb to the top of you know everest and stuff why do they want to live at high altitudes because they know the secret the secret of living longer healthier and happier is to breathe less and become efficient using oxygen so the goal of soma is primarily primarily around this primarily around this and so all of the techniques, even the way we do the ecstatic dance, all that's all about making super efficient with oxygen. All right. So one of the ways we do it is this technique called kumbhaka. Kumbhaka is breath retention, where you hold your breath, you know, not rocket science, but you hold your breath in a certain way, which allows you to create this intermittent hypoxic state. You lower the oxygen levels for a brief period, and that's what simulates high altitude, going to high altitude and coming back. So this is what the Russians observed, is where people who went up to high altitude and then came back down to sea level reported becoming stronger, healthier, having um, reversed the disease symptoms. 
things like that. There's a lot of research done on this intermittent hypoxic training. Now, I've created a protocol that map that basically models the intermittent hypoxic training protocol where you um, you do daily doses of intermittent hypoxia. They use machines to do this. We use breath, breath retention. And um, over a period of 21 days, you can dramatically improve your health, dramatically. So we've got, we've got this 21-day protocol, Stoma Awakening protocol, which not only is it amazing for your health, it gives you super, super charged amounts of energy, but what it also does is it can wake up dormant parts of the brain. Now, the reason for that is when you hold your breath and you hold your breath for long enough, create hypoxia, because your brain is one of the organs that needs a lot of oxygen, okay? That's probably needs the most oxygen of all. Your blood vessels dilate and it sends more blood flow to the brain so it doesn't starve with oxygen. So what happens is you, you can wake up dormant parts of the brain. This is the miracle of it. So just by that, we can actually create heightened cognitive abilities, heightened powers of memory, uh, communication, language, skills, creativity, can all be enhanced and improved, especially if you throw in intention into it. When we combine these techniques with intention, so where you're directing like a change in your body through a thought that has absolute conviction and is directed towards a definite result, right? Using visualization intention setting techniques, we can actually create neurogenesis, self-directed neurogenesis, where we can actually stimulate the growth of new brain cells, okay, in the areas that we want. Okay, since I've been doing this, I've observed observe myself, my creativity has gone through the roof, my productivity, my ability to like hold space and take commands of rooms and communication, the flow states I'm in, the ability to manifest and attract people, insane, like magic. And the people who have gone through my, my programs, there's like hundreds of them now, have experienced some insane results, like with their health, with the ability to manifest and attract things that they want. Incredible stuff. So I do believe I've I basically hacked this ritual of soma and made it into a very accessible system. And the thing with this is, is that after 21 days of this, when we start going into the the 60-minute duration techniques, you'll be holding your breath for such a long period of time that you lower your oxygen to a certain level which wakes up the DMT, the endogenous DMT. And DMT actually goes to protect the cell when it's um, low in oxygen, right? It allows the cell to survive longer in oxygen. And DMT, the right uh, concentration endogenous, actually leads to, right, the state of samadhi, right? Now check this out. You can see on YouTube, go and check out these hypoxic uh, chamber experiments. Where they did, like, for us to breathe, the only thing, uh, to not feel like we're suffocating, the only thing we need to do is have some airflow. So if you're in a room that has like 10% oxygen compared to ap normal atmosphere, right, you will still breathe and your brain will never know that you're not having enough oxygen, okay? And what will happen is your, your blood oxygen levels will start to drop dramatically. And here's the thing, you see these experiments of this guy, he goes into a state of samadhi, euphoria and bliss, he doesn't want to actually do anything. He's just like in peace, right? And all, everyone freaks out because his oxygen levels are going down to 60%, 50%. He's still all right, 
but he's just in this bliss nirvana samadhi state and i think what the samadhi state is is this state of low oxygen where the yogis are able to maintain it for long periods of time long durations like maybe even hours right where they control their breath so long and they're so efficient using oxygen they're so adapted to having low oxygen that they just stay in this nirvana state bliss state have you ever done any kind of psychedelic like ayahuasca or um dmt imagine like that dmt peak state just lasting for as long as you want it and i think that's what they had and that's why they were training and this is when you 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 be, if you've ever done ayahuasca right i don't know if you've ever done it you go into this state of absolute oneness and bliss the problem with it with ayahuasca is because it's a substance you consume you don't know the dose you also you don't always know the dose you also don't know what your dose is and you also don't know what the environment of the room is going to be like you also um can't really control it it's a plant the plant almost controls you right like you have to surrender to the plant to the mother gaia you know and there's some plus points to that. There's some downsides to that because you can't maintain sometimes that state of nirvana. You can go into some really bad trips. Whereas with this, we can get into that state. I've maintained some pretty long breath hold times, like, but not like what these yogis are supposed to be able to do. Now I want to get to that one. But imagine if you could maintain a low hypoxic state where you're in this euphoria for like an hour. Imagine what might be possible with that. So I think this is what the yogis have like hacked. And this is why I'm really going deep on myself right now. And Soma is like a way for you to get there in a safe, fun way. Yeah. Interesting, man. There definitely is a resurgence of these, of this ancient ancestral wisdom that's beginning to be validated by modern Western science. Yeah. And sometimes it takes someone with like yourself that is trained within the discipline of westernized science in order to, yeah, go through these ancient teachings from different parts of the world and be able to find out what is realistically viable from our perspective of science. But obviously science is very limited and has its blind spots as well. So, um, very interesting is it it's very similar to what i'm doing with the primal alchemy brand which is the unification of the ancient ancestral wisdom with today's science and really uh for in my perspective in my opinion our ancestors are us in the future in terms of our cyclical nature everything that they had so when you read about the vedic uh myth mythologies of the gods and what they were capable of it's exactly what we are going to be capable of in the future yes. when we rediscover and through the resurfacing of this knowledge and like you said there was a point in time when the church uh really wanted to stamp this shit out because they wanted to be the authoritative medium between god and man whereas yes. it's dangerous for a business and a corporation to have uh to have people that that they want to control mm. to have them in direct communication with god or direct communication with themselves so totally. yeah they had to stamp this knowledge out and then that knowledge had to go underground it had to get encoded it had to be kept yes. safeguarded and there was a lot of it was 
yeah, it was shrouded within allegory, within within uh, metaphor, within symbolism. Mm. And on the Western world anyway, in the Western world it was. In the Eastern, yeah. in, over in the East, it's kind of just been there in plain sight the whole time. And I think it's because it's been there in plain sight the whole time yeah. that we find it very hard to believe because we're used yeah. to growing up in the Western world. We think that... Yeah, of the authorities have the truths. You have to, if you if you want the truth on health, you have to go to a doctor. If you want the truth on science, yeah. you have to listen to a scientist, if, and so on and so on. Whereas yeah. the truth was just uh, was right there for you. So sometimes it takes it takes us to look over to Eastern uh, philosophy, Eastern medical practices, to and to combine that with our our own sort of specialty within Western. Yeah living and find a and find a good medium find the golden balance between the two well yeah like there are some plus points to the pharmaceuticals like you know there is a time and place like certain mm -hmm. certain drugs can work like miracles i like, say you uh had a massive car crash right and your legs have been ripped off or smashed to pieces you know there's some amazing drugs that can get you into states to for the surgeries to happen you know and to help the healing process but they're only there for emergencies, right? Yeah. They shouldn't be used for chronic health conditions. And this is where the problem is, is when it's being used for chronic health. Obviously, if you can get a customer for life, it's going to make way more money for a drug company. So, you know, they're a business. That's the nature of business, which is, which is sad, but it's true. But um, we actually, like, we have so much, like, research now that, you know, that shows how um, effective all these natural health techniques are now that, you know, I'm very much focused on helping people really learn these things in a safe and, and uh, you know, healthy way <clears throat> with the right science and then training instructors to carry out these techniques. So we actually have an instructor training for SOMA, which has become very popular. We're having a lot of people, um, uh, basically just changing their lives, um, you know, becoming same instructors and creating abundance through that. And it's been really cool to see people go out and actually change their lives. It's instead of working in cubicles, going out and helping people, you know, like really helping people. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. We're here to wake each other up. We're at a special time, pivotal point here on planet Earth. And uh, yeah, I think more and more people are being called to do in, to do this sort of work. It's uh, yeah. pe people are fed up with the norm. People are fed up with this bullshit life that we've been force fed that we have to abide by. And people are starting to uh, starting to break away from the pack and walk their own path. And they're gonna to fulfill destiny of their own individual soul and as a collective. And we yeah. need to be doing this work. We need to be doing the work for of, for others as well, in order to uh, fulfill yeah fulfill destiny, which is the evolution of our soul essentially. If you're going to believe what uh believe what the ancient adepts have passed down and gone through massive length, hard strenuous lengths to pass down, so they they wouldn't have went through all that trouble for nothing. So it's definitely uh, exactly. yeah definitely something that we should uh listen to and one of the things i wanted to say um is would this be would this technique be different um would you would it interact with you with the interaction of this um state 
be different if you're in a ketogenic state or if you're would that would that affect you differently at all um yeah so okay because obviously with the yogis for example if they're up in the mountains they're going to be in a deep prolonged fast probably dry fasting they're going to be they're going to be in a different state altogether that's exactly what i was going to say is that actually the yogis of the himalayas they probably um drank a lot of yak butter right Mm -hmm. tea basically like what where bulletproof coffee was taken from and they probably ate a lot of like wild herbs and plants and fresh photons they didn't eat a lot you know they probably didn't eat a lot so they were going through periods of fast especially if they're meditating a lot so they probably were already um um in a keto state you know they probably already were in that state um i've seen a lot of these uh like you know there's a lot of it's almost become like a religion keto diet religion right yeah, can do. I actually believe that there's no one size fits all, and you can't, you really can't, um, like prescribe the same diet for everyone. Like, what's a, keto might work for some people; it might be horrible for others. And it, and long term effects of being in that state may mean issues with liver function and other things like that. So, you know, I feel like. Ayurveda gives us a lot of info on what's the right, um, uh, you know, basically the right diet for your body type. And in Ayurveda, we're all composed of, according to that, different energies, three different energy types. So there's Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. So yeah, massive Pitta. Yeah, you are for sure. Air, fire, and um, earth. So we're usually a combination of, of those three, one predominant one, and we may be a common, you know, more predominant in uh, two of them. Or some people are like multi tridosha, but on the whole, most of us are predominant in one at least, or one or two. So basically, what that means is that um, when you understand that we're all different energies. Okay, and you could, the way you find all this out is like how you look, your body type, and also your phenotype, like how you appear facially, and also your mind, so how you think. And um, you're probably quite a strong leader, and you like making things happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, good observation. Good yeah, and you're pretty like built, right? You're quite, you've got muscular frame. Yeah, I try, I try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. a lot, but you're not like. <laughs> You're, you're like, you can eat most foods and you're all right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very extreme with my diet. I'm, I'm more extreme than most. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty far out there. Right, what do you mean? Right, what's your... Um, I do... Um, I've, I've, I'll follow a very, very closely like an ancestral diet. So it'd be in the winter, I'll be more into a deep ketogenic state where it's going to be more animal fats, animal um, organ meats. And then into the summer, then I would start to increase. So it's like a seasonal diet. So yeah. you've, so yeah, you're in the ketogenic state in the winter, and then the spring and summer, you've got the increase in the carbohydrates very slightly, increase yeah. in sun exposure. The the vitamin D is going to help with your glucose, um, yeah, uh, sensitivity. And then from from there, you just keep cycling that round. But most of the time, it's it's all I 
the dietary the diet is almost becoming secondary to me it's more sort of do with photons and electrons and getting them into me in mm. in what any ways that i can it be through grounding be through sun gazing being through other esoteric practices that's uh cultivating sort of uh if you want to call it like sexual energy all things like more of the esoteric shit is what i'm sort of into the diet again is important and i do go deep into it but at the same time i know that that's that's still a piece of the puzzle when 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 you want to go all out when you really want to go like uh walk the path well one of the easiest ways to get a dose of photons is um make a fire mm -hmm. right and the burning embers just look into the burning embers and meditate. yeah it's, it's again man it's like a, that's fire like a psychedelic experience itself it's yeah. uh if you just do that and just stare and that's why I love going to some the music festivals and they got like, and they always have the big yeah. campfire at the end. You just you yeah. sit there and just stare and it does, it puts you into a trance like state and you are getting those photons into your system. Yeah, exactly. There is, uh, um, what, what's, what's obviously you said one, one diet doesn't fit all, but what sort of, uh, what's your sort of journey been like in terms of your diet? Have you got any sort of, um, any recommendations for people? Have you got any supplements that you would say are good for yes. people just to have like an all round, a good like experience with that everyone could benefit from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very much into kind of food-based um, supplements. Okay, so supplements that are based on whole foods that mm -hmm. exist in nature. And the one that is very close to me, um, which is actually considered like a good for every energy type, yeah, there's two, two that are good for every energy type. That is ghee, G-H-E-E, -E, clarified mm -hmm. butter, is good for every single energy type. It's very good for batter, for grounding us and keeping us like, with a, and maintaining a steady keel of energy for the day. So, you know, vata people are, you're not a vata, but I'm got a bit of vata. Uh, air people, we, we can suffer from like, fluctuations in sugar, levels where we can like have a lot of energy and then crash and the we're very fast you know like we, we our brains work very quickly it also means that we we like re retain uh, we, we we learn things very quickly but we forget things quickly. I'm, I'm pretty much like that and um and actually ghee is really good for just maintaining a balance of energy throughout the day it's very good for the gut it strips toxins out of the gut so I'm a big ghee addict. In your um, opinion, does yeah. it matter uh, the source of the ghee itself in terms of is it from oh, yeah. pasteurized? Grass yeah, grass but even go beyond that. So it's raw, not pasteurized and homogenized and it's not been anything like that. So the, the milk that's made from is, is raw. It's kind of hard to... Yeah, that's hard. I know. I'm just saying. Just I don't think it matters so much because it's pure butter. It's pure... It's clarified butter, so it's the pure fat, it's animal fat. So I don't think that's going to make too much difference because it's, it's not like it's a mixture of many other things, you know, like mm -hmm. so pasteurizing, I don't think it will affect it too much. Okay. Um, so yeah, ghee is one of my favorites. The other one is, uh, which I've talked about a lot on podcasts, is colostrum. Hey, mate, can I just, I'm dying for the toilet you're recording you're, this is you yeah man you 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 go ahead go to the toilet and i'm actually going to talk about colostrum for a little bit because that's i'm pretty okay. i know a little All bit right. about colostrum All right. go for it. Sorry, buddy go don't worry about it yeah so guys when it comes to colostrum it's actually very interesting so 
Niraj is probably going to give us a rundown on this when he gets back. But what colostrum is, is that it's the first milk from a cattle that the mother would feed her calf. And it has a crazy amount of immunomodulating compounds in, of growth hormones. It has lactoferrin in, which is great for, um, well, creating gut, like gut, um, yeah, like your gut line impermeability, your, your gut health. It's full of really good bacteria. Um, it's also a great source of insulin growth factor, which is good if you're on a ketogenic diet, because obviously your insulin levels are going to be a little bit uh, different compared to most. So the insulin growth factor uh, binds to the insulin receptor sites in your cell. Uh, really beneficial for you. And um, colostrum was actually going to be in the original ah sweet man you're back i was literally just about to say man that the colostrum was originally in my uh formulation for the product that i have available the vitruvian protein and i had to take it out because i nice. couldn't get it passed by the soy association so i was a little bit pissed off because hey, why exactly <laughs> why why that yeah mm. it's a it's a touchy subject man and i'll get i'll get triggered and, and i'll end up going on a rant about the soy association and <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to get fucking booted off their lists okay so uh, yeah, with the colostrum though, mate, it's, um, I think I, I rate it as in my top three, top three supplements. So I'm totally on board with what you're saying there. So yeah, if you want to give people the rundown on that, I just very briefly outlined it then while you're away. Yeah. yeah. So colostrum, um, in Ayurveda is like one of the most like holy substances. And in fact, the holy sweets in India were made with colostrum and cows are worshipped because they're holy because of the colostrum so not everyone knows that fact you know like in india like gods cows are like gods right so basically what they realized was there's two parts of the milk the first milk and then normal dairy first milk is super rich in immunofactors growth factors um immunoglobulins a whole uh, mixture of like fatty acids and amino acids and vitamins, minerals. It basically is the perfect food made by nature, right? What it does is it gives you, when you're a baby, um, your first immune system and it gives the lining of the gut um, the ability to digest adult food. So without enough sufficient colostrum, your digestive system is whack and your immune system gets whacked. And it takes a long, longer time to develop a healthy immune system. Colostrum is an essential requirement for healthy babies. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people in the world, um, especially around the 60s, 70s, where Nestle made these crazy campaigns to get people off breast milk and told everyone breast milk is bad. So I sell them in powdered milk. Uh, there was a lot of uh, kids born with you know, childhood uh, allergies. So, and other problems and digestive problems. I mean, look at the amount of problems we will have now with digestion. It's just full power, right? It's so True. Now, um, so basically what they realized though, the doctor, the, the Ayurvedic doctors was that, that the colostrum um, from cows has the same translation in humans, bovine colostrum. And cows make four times the amount of colostrum that the calf needs. It makes an excess 
So in farms, like most dairy farms, the excess colostrum is stored in banks and given to calves that don't have enough um, colostrum because it's essential for the calf to have enough colostrum. And the calf is very important to the farmer, obviously. So a farmer actually has no interest in in harming a calf over selling colostrum. It makes much more money from having a healthy calf than it does from you. So there's a bit of a debate. Oh, is it, isn't the calf being uh, deprived of colostrum and all this stuff? I mean, no, there's no, if you look at it economically, there's no interest for the farmer to harm the calf. So the calf, farmer only takes the excess of the excess for human consumption. And it, they basically freeze dry it, make it into a powder, and um, it's incredible for gut health. Incredible. It can also be used as a protein source if you want to build muscle, get more ripped. It's, but it's all around incredible for your health. I am a major advocate of it, and it's what healed me from the colitis. It's the, the final thing that fixed everything that was going on. Yeah, mate. It healed my gut, so I've a healthy gut. So I have had amazing success over the years with my own brand of colostrum, healing people with all kinds of chronic health issues where the, the root causes in the gut, and most autoimmune conditions, leaky gut issues um, uh, are caused by like things like leaky gut and um, poor digestion. So most diseases basically start in the gut, okay? I'm a major fan of that. So I actually have my own brand with Renegade Colostrum which you can find on Amazon. What's the, um, what's the source of that dude in terms of like the, the, the milking hours? Is it from after uh, first colostrum. six? Nice man. That's fucking top yeah. grade. Yeah. It's top quality. It's Solid. like full fat. None of the fats taken out. It's, it's unadulterated. Nice, man. It's quickly freeze dried. Um, and How much lactoferrin's in it? I mean, you, you can have a look on the, I don't know all of it off by heart, but um, I can show you, I can talk about it. Uh, just give me one second. But it's like, if you go onto our site, you'll see we have a lot of... Uh, have you ever tried raw colostrum? I have, yeah, in India. Yeah, I can, ima I can imagine. It's, uh, what did you think? Oh, it's actually quite tasty. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, I've found a few places here in the UK where you can get hold of it, like legit yeah. rural colostrum. And it's obviously you can only get it at certain times of the year, but mm. it's, um, it's definitely a delicacy and definitely empowering as fuck. It puts you on some next level when you take it. You definitely don't feel really? like you're going to be catching the cold any, uh, the flu anytime soon. Really? But, uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, it's good, man. I'll have to try and hook you up with some if you get to Bristol to do this ecstatic dance event. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Well, the immunoglobulin content is 22.11%. Really? Yeah. Fuck, man, that's, that's high. Yeah. Damn, bro, really that's, good. you did a good job sourcing that one. Yeah, this is a really good one. Yeah, man. Nice. Yeah, it's, I feel like that's something that, um, out, of, out of interest, mate, how, how have you found, as, have you had any backlash for selling colostrum from certain communities, certain communities, certain communities in particular that begin with V and end with N and <laughs> are called vegans. Of course. <laughs> of course we have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not like 
outrageous, but yeah, I've lost some friends, you know, over the years from fanatical vegan religious nutcases. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of people that are quite sensitive to colostrum in terms of the ethics, the ethics behind it. They, but like you said, you pretty much just debunked that just a minute ago. Yeah, and also the thing is, like, okay, if it's a case of saving a human's life, right? What are you gonna do? Yeah. There's a lot of vegans who are, are spreading information on the internet, which is totally wrong, yeah. and actually killing other humans. Yeah. Now, who, who's more um, unethical there? Exactly. A vegan who's talking bullshit and misleading people and, and, and harming humans versus people who, have been, who are living like we have done thousands of years in harmony with nature symbolically. Right. Exactly, man. Yeah, well said. That's um, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely something that is um, we're still going to fall a little bit deeper into. There's still there's still a a war to come, as such, when it comes to the war on nutrition, on nutritional dogma, and uh, getting the truth out there. And I think eventually the truth will always prevail. And like you said. Our ancestors are us in the future, and we will eventually revert back to their their uh, their paradigm of living. So, I mean, I I'm not against. I mean, I'm I'm not like a big fan of the carnivore diet and like saying everyone should eat meat either. But I think a vegetarian diet is limited. Very healthy because you include uh, essential fats from. Um, uh, ghee for example and and colostrum you know so if you live by the cow and you don't need to eat the the meat of the cow but if you live by the cow like the cow brings you everything you need you know it's like they are very very um incredible creatures so are you vegetarian yourself i'm mostly vegetarian i do like sometimes i eat seafood at all i i will eat you know i will eat sometimes a very well prepared like steak you know from grass-fed uh a cow you know i'm not i'm not one of these like like dogmatic hindus or anything like that yeah sure like because actually yoga and ayurved comes before hinduism and um you know the royalty of india were all eating meat and stuff so yeah the brahmins kept it amongst themselves That's yeah and this the... is where a lot of the the, the practices came from the, the royalty and the brahmins who worked with royalty so there's a lot of misinformation and bs in in india as well yeah and it's it's to keep the caste system in place it's um very interesting and uh yeah mate i think uh i've had you good for a good 90 minutes so i don't know if um if you've got a shoot or anything but uh maybe we should tie this one in and yeah uh, get this get this one done man i really enjoyed talking to you mate and uh yeah definitely Definitely love to be able to have you on again, dude, because I feel like there's so much more we could explore. I know I can see that there was little things you were saying here and there, which kind of gave me an inclination that you were, that there, there's much more depth to where you're coming from than you've, than you've said today. I think, I think we could go pretty deep into, uh, into some more esoteric talk and, maybe some more sort of spiritual philosophical talk as well which uh, i think would be good as well and 
it's good to see a fellow Brit man making a name for himself out uh, and putting the UK on the map and doing your thing. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, the U- the UK is slacking and it needs it needs people that are out there fighting the good fight and well, shining their light. You know, like here's the thing. So obviously, UK has been suffering from this like nationalism problem, right? Um, and Brexit and all that stuff. So here's the thing. What's the first letter of the word ill? I. I. What's the first two letters of the word well? <laughs> it is indeed we. Yeah. So when we start becoming more we fo- focused, we become well. When we're all about I. You I, need to copyright that, mate. Yeah. Copyright I, it for the I. It's not even from me, but um, <laughs> it's from a great doctor called Dr. Hector. I highly recommend. <coughs> um, you know, so when we start looking at global, the world as a globe, rather than even just being part of the EU is like, is not how it should be. We should be a global one, one world, one nation, one spirit, right? Like we was before, before the great yeah. fall of man. That's yeah. we we were dude. That's like literally why why all of those all of our major religions, be they monotheistic or be it polytheistic, dating back, even even those, they have their roots, they all have one core teaching. And that one core teaching came from one core civilization that used to uh like you said, the golden age. Yeah. And it's that golden age that's referred to in every ancient text, within every ancient culture. And yeah, we were once a yeah, one a one world society one more civilization and that's we are destined to go there again not following the dictatorship of a new world order or one world government it's not going to be through those means but it's going to be uh it's it's going to be through yeah different means something much more holistic in nature and i definitely think we're we're onto something and we all have our way of we all have our purpose here to spread a message of whatever it is in our life that we have been gifted with, that we have talent in, that we have passion for, that is where we're going to find our voice to spread a message to wake people up. So everyone's just got to walk their path, follow their passion, follow their bliss, and yeah, find their voice. And then we're eventually getting the message out there in one way or form. It may not, it may be through health and fitness. It may be through dance. It may be through art. It may be through music. Yeah. it, the but the message is coherent throughout all of it. It's it's one single message, and that is that we're all one, and yeah, it's man. about finding ways to unify back with that core message. But um, all right, man, sound dude, so, like yeah, let's uh, let's tie this one in. So uh, yeah, mate, thanks for coming on, Naraj. It really meant the world to me. Uh, to for you giving me your time. So for everyone right. that's enjoyed today and enjoyed what you had to say and maybe new to you and wants to know a little bit more about your work whereabouts can they follow you where can they hit you up like where's yeah. the go-to sources go to somabreath.com sign up for the webinar you can learn all the stuff about your inner pharmacy how to lower your heart rate at will um increase your heart rate do some cool stuff um with your body and your mind and you can also experience the soma awakening experience um online and get a taste of it and the other place to go is um the renegadepharmacist.com the renegade pharmacist where you can you can get our colostrum uh look out for other supplements we're bringing out and loads of knowledge on 
your health, mind, body, and spirit. All right, man. I'll, um, I'll throw that all into the show notes as well. And yeah, I'm sure plenty of people will be, uh, coming your way after this one. Cause it's, uh, definitely been an enlightening one mate really enjoyed it and yeah let's let's get you on again so guys that is the end of episode 51 hopefully you've enjoyed it as always stay woke as fuck and i'll catch you on the next episode peace out guys